on this week's episode of Where We Are. Where are we? We are just over a week from Election Day. And so we're going to talk about some of the key races that you can watch. We're going to save final predictions for uh, next week. Want to just highlight some races that you could pay attention to over the next uh, next week or so. Then we'll also talk about political violence. And unlike Glenn Youngkin, I don't have a joke about that. You're listening to Where We Are. You're listening to Where We Are. We are the Where's. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. And Melissa, it's an exciting night. Do you know why? Why? Because uh, we're having people over for dinner tomorrow, which means the preparation begins. It has begun. Right after this, we're... uh, My worst nightmare. We're we're making pasta. I'm in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Literally for 10 minutes. And honestly... Your primary function is just to keep me company. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I won't even... Um, you won't have to touch raw meat. <laughs> I won't even... I won't even have you knead the dough so you don't have to worry about, like, your hands getting... getting sort of... mm-hmm. Come on! <laughs> I'm, I'm making uh, this pasta. I've never... Maybe it, you got me all hot and bothered now. <laughs> well, Michael, I mean, <laughs> you're constantly week in week out saying things where I'm like, you know what? Is anybody listening just picking up what Michael's putting down? Because I am. Listen, I'm making I'm making a pasta that doesn't include any eggs. I'm very excited about it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah How no can eggs. It have no eggs. Just flour, water. That sounds like a. Uh, like school science experiment, like you gotta go make a volcano. No, no, no. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's not. It's from a different region of Italy than uh, the porous region. Uh, y- Probably. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> they couldn't afford eggs, just like Tuscany couldn't afford salt for their bread. Exactly right. All right. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very excited I'm about it. I'm poor. Um, and it's going to be delicious. It sounds like it. I'm very intrigued. I an eggless pasta dough. I'm I'm honestly I'm shook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I've definitely made an eggless pasta dough for you I before. I must not have known. Exa- well, that's the thing. Brain. I don't know. If the sauce has enough oomph to it, then you don't need the richness need the from the egg. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drink the sauce like a soup. Well, listen. You may not <laughs> appreciate it, but our guests will. <laughs> And you could it. sulk in a corner. That's what I like to do anyway. When people <laughs> come over, I'm an introvert man. So okay, so but before we get to pasta making, uh, we uh, see. I mean, you've just gotten inside my head, and I don't like it. Uh, we got quite a bit to talk about uh, on on today's episode. We're going to talk about a few races uh, that I think will be, you know, it's so hard 
watching election night returns and being like, you know, what does what does all of this mean? Uh, you know, uh, uh, there are you know thousands of races uh, uh, literally that are uh, going to be held, and so I just wanted to pick out a few that you could watch the closing days of their campaigns. And then on election night, it'll be good to keep an eye on these races because uh, I think some of these campaigns will, will help uh, help us mark what, what happens uh, on election day. But before we get to that, want to talk about the news from uh, the last few days, which is a... 42, I believe, a 42-year-old man broke into the home of Nancy Pelosi and was, the, the reports are, he was shouting, where's Nancy? Uh, Nancy was not home at the time. Her husband was. There was an altercation. Uh, there have been reports that police saw um, uh, the use of a hammer, and there have uh, and and Paul Pelosi was was assaulted. Uh, there have been reports that uh, he had to go in for uh, surgery. Uh, after after the incident, truly terrifying, disturbing. At the time of this recording, some information is coming out about the assailant, his background, precise motives. I'm not comfortable at this time uh, sort of going into those details I, I think we've we've gone through these these kinds of things on the podcast before and for those who have listened for a long time I, I'm very cautious around these kinds of things and speculation about motive and 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 those kinds of things I, I think um, what we what I want to do is just zoom out a bit and You know, it seems like a. So it, what we what we do know is that the assailant didn't happen upon the Pelosi's house again. He was shouting, "Where's Nancy?" For whatever reason, he was he was looking to do harm to the 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 speaker of the house. And um, you know, we we've done an episode on polarization. We talk about polarization quite yes. a bit, and. You know, one of you know, a lot of people say in response, "Oh, you know, don't we have bigger problems to to worry about?" You know, um, uh, yeah, there are disagreements about about uh, politics, and, and politics matters. So uh, um, it's appropriate to sort of make these totalizing, moralizing statements about politics because political decisions affect people, and of course, that's. Uh, the idea that politics affects people is true. That's the whole, that's yeah. that, that's uh, very true. What uh, many of us have been warning about 
uh, however, is the the fact that uh, we have a politics which is increasingly raising the stakes in a way that is not necessarily intrinsic to the weight of the issues or decisions or disagreements, uh, but is very well tuned to the interests of politicians and the media and advocacy groups to um, ratchet up the emotional pressure on these elections. And so we won't recount all the polarization data here, but so you get to a point where party identity alone has become a moral category, um, where increasingly... Um, Frames of good and evil are being applied in our politics. We've talked about this University of Chicago survey that showed uh, that three quarters of both Democrats and Republicans believe the other party is out to intentionally, uh, uh, it, it are bullies, they're out to intentionally sort of harm others. And uh, Melissa, it's... Um, if that's the if that's the framework that is set for our politics, if that's the way we talk about disagreement, if that's the way that we talk about politicians on the other side, if we set the stakes so high, then in some ways, uh, what you end up doing is actually you know politics is supposed to be the democratic process is supposed to be where uh, disagreements and you know sort of the contest is uh, is is played to avoid violence. Mm -hmm. But if the stakes are so high, if our politics actually strips the humanity uh, or a, a, a sort of attempts to strip the humanity from Again, not just politicians, but now this filters down into into just voters. If you vote for the wrong candidate, then that's a sort of total uh, a totalizing moral statement about uh, who you are. Then, um, then I'm not sure politics can. Um, I'm not sure the political process is satisfactory enough. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I'm not sure it. It is able to play, liberal democracy is able to play that role of uh, settling disagreements and keeping people from warring with one another mm -hmm. uh, if, if that's where we're setting the stakes. If, if um, politics becomes and, and is this area of, uh, you know, um, um, existential threat all the time. I mean, part of liberal democracy is to... Uh, uh, the, the idea, which is contested, and, and this is a whole debate, but sort of the idea is to try and take out some of the existential threat from our politics. But it seems like liberal democracy is failing in that regard. So, Melissa, well, what what um, what what are your thoughts in reaction to you know this news about Speaker Pelosi's 
husband about the fact that no one was really surprised that it happened. <laughs> you know, it no, wasn't like it wasn't like all. how could how could anyone uh, even even think of it? It was like no, you you could actually see how an environment was set. So yeah, I Melissa, mean, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, that's the whole thing. The logical ends of um, political language and framing that is shaped by hatred and what you hate will lead to violent um, physical ends. I think that that's an inevitability. I think we have studies on this, like sociological studies, inter- international relations studies, political science studies. Like we we have this. I mean, I I think about. I mean, the the, the corollary for me is like in Europe, um, we have a lot of data on violence towards immigrants um, that is measured by the EU um, by a certain agency there, where uh, several of the member countries submit data every year about um, immigrants reporting whether or not they've experienced some form of not just like, oh, a slur has been thrown at them, which is obviously um, a very bad attack, but also way up, all the way up to like physical threats, physical violence. And the connection between the kinds of rhetoric that has been swirling around in various European countries for decades on end, um, blaming immigrants for every single ill known to man, name it, and an immigrant has been blamed, that this is the logical end of that type of framing of an entire group of people, is that they will then experience hate, like in actual real life, like not just online, not just in the political messaging, not just in the speech, etc., not in the rally cry. The, the, um, I feel like I'm speaking very frank about this right now. I mean, I think... The, one of my other reactions is that, yes, this no one, no, I'm not surprised, you're not surprised, a lot of people are not surprised, but let's not forget that we should be appalled. Um, I think that it's really important to actually press that home with people right now, because I feel like when you kind of go down the, oh, I'm just not surprised by this route, you start to numb yourself towards what has actually happened, which I think... Um, for some people that even happened with like January 6th, just like the sort of numbing that started to happen right away of like, oh, this is exactly where we were going. And of course this is going to happen. I mean, that, that two things be true once um, is also what I'm trying to say here. So, yeah. so, so Melissa, th- this is where I've been stuck. And this is like the main thing I've been thinking about, which is, right? Like part of my... Um, impulse is you know surely you know this is this is cause to lower the temperature you know in our in our political debates uh that was the call after january 6th which is you know clearly this has gotten out of hand uh and maybe this is what is required for, you know, the fever to break. So there's that impulse. There's there's also like this just this nagging thing, which is right. So um, <laughs> the idea is we we need to lower the temperature because. Because there, there are folks in our politics who are willing to push things so far that violence is on the table, mm-hmm. which then leads you to think, 
gosh, that sounds like an existential threat, you know? So yeah. it's just like this feedback loop yes. of uh, you, you see how bad things can get. You say, gosh, we really got to, we really have to change, you know, our perspective. We really need to, again, lower the temperature. But that's in reaction to these increasing sort of uh, indicators of how bad it's getting which makes you think, you know, maybe whether it's the uh, maybe those who are arguing that there is no lowering the temperature, like maybe they're right. Uh, you know, like our friend Robert Draper has a book out mm-hmm. this month about the Republican uh, Party and you know, in his view, you know, it's it's devolution, it's degradation, it's it's sort mm-hmm. of um, uh, it's it's uh, willingness to um, to 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 go along with these these kinds of uh, with with the kind of um, rhetoric and tactics, uh, s- sort of pressing boundaries of of uh, and surpassing boundaries of truth for political purposes, and. Haven't been able to read the book yet. Have seen some of Robert's articles, and and you just go, um, you know, if if everything if everything Robert is reporting on is true, you know, what does it look like to lower the temperature on yeah. that? I mean, so I want to jump in because something struck me. So this is honestly, this is just getting baked up in my head in the last 10, like ten seconds. So this could come out half baked, but let's see. Um, yeah, you you called it a fever. And when will the fever break? And it struck me, a fever is always a symptom. It's never usually the sickness. And it feels like with these kinds of conversations and the things that dance around, like polarization or political violence or um, you know liberal democracy and its problems and things like that, it just feels like we're constantly talking about the symptoms, but we're not talking about the sickness. It's almost like, I don't know if we have too many sicknesses happening all at once or if it is one larger single thing. Um, but I guess identifying that and working at that level feels like we we might start getting somewhere. But then I, then I get to the point where um, if we're kind, of, I'm about to use a term, and I'm again I'm not so sure. But it's we're in like a sort of post truth moment. Um, and so if we can't even identify like what is true or what we are all aiming for, because we all think we're aiming for different things when it comes to like the flourishing of society. And it's kind of like, that sounds hopeless to me. The literal only thing that has come to my mind that I rest on of things will change or go back and not back like, oh, back to, um, back to a point where our polarization isn't as high as it is right now, like that kind of going back is that I believe like most things in life, especially, especially social things, social ills, social problems, they we've pendulum that we have a pendulum that swings back and forth between the extremes. And once it's sat on one extreme for a while, it always swings back that I feel like that's one sort of like constant of um, human society that that's pretty much the only thing that's coming in my head right now of like how how and I have no idea how we're going to get back there, but I I'm I'm putting that sort of that sort of uh, pin in this argument here right yeah, now. Yeah, sure. Um, because 
Yeah, the way you said there was a fever and we have to break it, I'm like, that's just a symptom. That's not the sickness. Yeah. Well, before we head to the break, I'll, I'll throw in one, one other thing, which is um, I do think it's so important to remember um, that most people really are just living their lives. <laughs> you know, sure. mo- most people really... Um, are not thinking about politics all of the time. Most people are not stewing in the worst of the worst, sort of. Um, and so uh, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not to wave away sort of problems, both with those who really are stewing in it and also. You know those who just kind of go along, but I do think we need to be really careful about condemnations based on what we're most fearful of that actually end up discarding way too much of the American public and actually ends up cutting off the very kinds of moderating forces and, and moderating people mm-hmm. um, that we need uh, we need in this moment in our public life if we're if we're going to to build something better and so with that let's go uh, we'll take a quick break when we get back we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the midterms and some races to have an eye on this is where we are Well, we're back. This is where we are. We are the wares. And uh, by the way, Melissa, I, I never, never tire of uh, sharing uh, the podcast on social media and uh, someone replying, uh, you misspelled it. And, that, and so there was this guy on Twitter this week. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, uh, I think Shoddy, uh, our friend Shoddy. <laughs> Uh, shared shared the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Shadi shared the podcast, and someone replied to it saying, uh, "I believe that's a grammatical error. Shouldn't it be where?" And uh, I just replied, "Thank you. We'll get right on that." And then this guy replied like five hours later, going, "I just noticed your last name." <laughs> um, and, and so. So that was uh, that was that was funny. I mean, we kind of knew that we were getting uh, into uh, we were uh, getting into trouble with uh, a podcast name that is is a sort of play on words, uh, and I'm I'm willing to take the hits. I think it's worth it. Anything for a pun. Yeah, anything, for, anything for a pun. Um, Melissa, uh, I this week was in Christianity Today again. This time, an interview with uh, CT on uh, both the Center for Christianity and Public Life, but also mm-hmm. the midterms, and it uh, the the headline was was interesting. I don't think I said it exactly 
in the interview. I'd have to go back. But the headline was, uh, this is not the most important election ever. Um, uh, and, you know, there's uh, some sort of consternation about that. I was, I was fine with, with the headline. Um, but it does get to this sort of like lowering the temperature uh, piece. It also, I think, um, it gets to this idea that if we're constantly raising the stakes and trying to get an emotional rise out of people in order to uh, convince them that they ought to vote, uh, then people are going to vote or not vote based on their emotions. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, it was very interesting. Uh, former President Obama was on Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli Manning on their show uh, during the game, and they asked him about the midterms and if he would like to share any information about how people could vote, that kind of thing. And he very, like, interestingly and obviously uh, did not say, you know, this is the most important election. Instead, he said what he said was something like, um, in a democracy, every election is important. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to talk... And, and so it was interesting to see, you know, two weeks out from an election, President Obama, who I think has had used the most important election line uh -huh. a bit in the yeah, past, uh, seems to have been convinced that um, talking about elections differently might be better if we want to encourage a better kind of kind of citizenship and civic engagement. And so, so I thought that was interesting. I, I, I thought I'd just sort of bring, uh, bring, bring that up. Folks can check out uh, that, that interview at CT um, and let us know what you think. What I want to do as we sort of in the last segment of this episode is just highlight a few races that, you know, if you're looking for, you know, a cheat code, uh, if you're looking for like a... Uh, uh, a guide to watching the elections. Now I want to go play Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Codes. we could. Uh, <laughs> or, or like Goldeneye. Um, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, these are a few races that I think you should keep your eye on. Uh, again, not just on election night, but actually um, uh, to track uh, or, or to be aware of uh, over the next over the next week or so. The first uh, is uh, incumbent Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger, who's a moderate Democrat in, in Virginia, has a real fight on her hands. So this is like one of those swing district races. She has narrowly won before. She kind of has an impeccable, you know, pedigree. Spanberger was a CIA agent, mm. um, so has like an intelligence sort of national security background. She really works to um, to be someone who can partner with Republicans. She doesn't sort of go along with a lot of the partisan sort of gamesmanship, but because you know this is. You know, a, a midterm where where Republicans might have some momentum. You know, uh, 
those swing Democratic districts are often the first to go. Mm-hmm. Which is a real problem, right? Yeah. Because... That shouldn't be a conventional wisdom well, for Democrats. Well, well it, but it, it totally, you know, it, it, not to talk about polarization again, but right. So, what 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 people are um, reacting to in a polarized politics are the extremes mm-hmm. in the other in the other party. But most of the time, the extreme politicians in the other party they never get voted out. It's actually the moderates. It's actually the forces in the party that are actually doing the very thing that uh, people in the other parties say that they want that end up end up losing. Mm-hmm. And so this this race is an important one to keep your eye on. Uh, and Jim Swift at the Bulwark just has an excellent article up that'll help you. Uh, help you learn a bit more about the the race. It's Virginia's seventh congressional district, and so that's that's right around. That's like below Woodbridge, up above Fredericksburg. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So around Quantico. Yes, I think so. Yeah, got it. Um, and so so yeah, um, so so that that's that's one one race to 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 check out. Another. Sticking with the House and sticking with House Democrat only instead of, you know, Spamberger's election was always going to be t- tight. The chair of the Democrats' con- uh, Congressional Campaign Committee, the guy responsible for pr- uh, uh, the Democratic sort of House Democrats' campaigns n- nationally for, for all the House Democrats, over the last couple of weeks, it's been clear that his seat is in danger. So Why does that feel like an omen? <laughs> so Sean Sean Patrick Maloney of New York again, he's the head of the D triple D triple C, and uh, he's in like the Hudson Hudson Valley uh, of New York, and um, and. The, the race is closing. I tend to think he'll be okay. If he lost, I believe he'd be the first ever um, first ever uh, uh, campaign committee chair to to lose. Um, but but it, it would be a significant loss. I mean, similar to like when Tom Daschle uh. lost. I think yeah. um, in in the mid aughts. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, would this be his? Com- uh, would this be Maloney's comeuppance for propping up far right candidates through the primaries? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a good point. Um, and so, so yeah, so so that's a race to watch. Republicans would love to a win. A seat that really they they don't have much business winning in 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 New York, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for it to be the campaign chair of the other side, it would just be it would just be uh, uh, that that would be salt in the wound. So you know we know the Spamberger race is is going to be is going to be close. Mm-hmm. If Maloney's race is close. Th- then, then you start 
you get in a sense early in the night because New York is on the East Coast. Its polls will, will close earlier. You, you re- really start to get the sense um, that, that Republicans may be in for, for a good night. The final House race I want you to pay attention to is one that we've talked about before, and this is um, in Texas. Uh, and uh, the, the Democrat running is Vicente Gonzalez. He's an incumbent, but he's running in a different district because of redistricting mm, in Texas. One of these. Okay. And uh, he is, so he's a three-term congressman. Uh, he's the one running against Myra Flores. Oh. So Myra Flores is, you know, some Republicans think that she's a star. She won, uh, she won this, you'll remember the special election uh, in June where she had a very faith forward message as a Hispanic Republican candidate. Uh, and and now she's facing off against uh, a, against a Democratic incumbent again because of redistricting. This is like the Spanberger race. Well, so it's interesting. Uh, it's a it's a new district. Uh, the district, uh, the way it's constructed, it would have been gone for Biden heavily. But because of how the electorate seems to be changing in this area of Texas, there are some thoughts that Flores has, has a shot. And so these three races, this Texas race between Gonzalez and Flores, the Spamberger race in Virginia, um, and the Maloney race in New York are three to keep an eye on. We've talked about the Senate quite a bit. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. return to the U.S. Senate next week. I, I, I don't have, I, I think, you know, we know Pennsylvania is going to be important. We know, you know, we'll see if Mandela Barnes is able to hang in in mm-hmm. Wisconsin or if Johnson is, is, if Ron Johnson's just sort of running away. I, I, I will say on the, on the governor's side, keep an eye on New York. Yeah, I saw, I saw some stuff today that made me go, what? Yes. And here, here's the thing: if uh, if uh, the incumbent, if Hochul is in a tight race, then I start thinking. You know, we've done early. We did, uh, gosh, months ago. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on um, on the politics of COVID. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, we did the security moms mm-hmm. uh, sort of episode. Mm-hmm. If if Hogel's in trouble, mm-hmm. you start you start thinking uh, maybe it's not Dobbs mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is going to be remembered. <laughs> like, like maybe it's not even the concern about whether it is the reaction to Dobbs fading or not. Maybe what should have been more in the center of this whole midterm conversation is whether um, frustration over COVID, yep, especially in Democratic states um, uh, like New York. So, so that that's something to watch. Again, New York will close earlier. So if Hochul's in a tight race, I would expect her to win. It would be like 
it would be a significant thing if Lee Zeldin somehow won that race. Then then you start thinking, oh, this is red wave, this is tsunami. So, but if Hochul only pulls out this race by five, six points, then then you start thinking, oh, this this is, is going to be a good night for Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so so those are some races to keep your eye on. Y- y'all know I'm very interested in this Oregon race um, where you basically have a three-way contest, potentially have a Republican winning uh, winning in Oregon, which would be significant. There are obviously more races I'm to talk to about. I'm Oklahoma governor. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The, the Oklahoma race is interesting, too. So... Just, I know there are so many campaigns. Obviously, I would encourage you to pay the most attention to the races where you are, <laughs> where, where you live, where you have responsibility, where you'll be voting. But in order to get a sense of how things are shaping up nationally, uh, especially on the House side, is where we focus today. Those are, those are some races that you can, you can keep an eye on. And hey, now, right now, would be a good time. To start looking at your local races if you have not yet. Yes, we, Go we, read the we were. Yeah, we were looking at our ballot today. Yeah, we were looking at the ballot today, Michael and I, to see what, what questions we'd have to vote on. Um, not just candidates. There are so many. There were so many. There for were Maryland. so many. I was very surprised. Um, and so now I'm glad that I've read ahead so that I know exactly what I need to look up a little bit more and yes. what I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, say. don't be surprised. When you get into uh, when you get to the voting booth and realize, oh, uh, there's like you know a dozen you know referendum with uh, legal uh-huh. yep. legal language. Like I gotta look up. They want no, for real. They want to yeah. rename the court of appeals to be the Supreme Maryland Supreme yeah, Court. And, and I'm like, like I'm like, okay. is this just a, a name change or or is there is dupe, there a are gonna, reason? Are you gonna dupe me? Yeah, is there a, like, is there like a reason like, why is, people want this to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Does it like unlock like something? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be party. Yeah, so so this is a reminder. <laughs> start go look up these things now. Start now this weekend if you want to. Um, uh, just don't be taken by surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's all for that's all, folks. this week's episode. Next week, we will make predictions. We may have... I already made my prediction last week. You already did. And, and you're, you're not taking any more inputs. No more... No, you, you've my, shut down. My input no more information is. is necessary. Yep, it's gone. Well, we may have a special guest on oh, yes, our episode right. next week. And mm-hmm. so your ears better be open to our special guest, at least. Sure. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, it's been great talking with you as always. Leave a review, share the podcast, let us know you're listening, and uh, we'll talk we to you. We love reading the reviews on we Apple do. Podcasts. We do. Because you're able to actually write something. So yes. go write us a note. Yeah, yeah, write us a little note. Um, you could even write a note that. Um, isn't really a review of the podcast. Just let us know like what's going on in your life in the in the i in the in the Apple Podcast <laughs> we can, Review. You can start being pen pals via yeah, Apple yeah, Podcast yeah. Review. Yeah, that's right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, friends. Talk to you next week. Bye.
It's the end of the weekend, but I still wanna turn up. Yeah, I still wanna turn up.